Good morning. So I'm actually going to start out a little bit differently this morning than what I even envisioned at the start of our service, because I sensed as you all were coming in and even as those of us on the worship team and whatever were praying back here today, I sense a, I sense a heaviness in here today. I don't sense the lightness, and, and not that there's anything wrong with this, but I don't sense the, the lightness and, and the the freedom and whatever, even through our word, I, I, I sense a heaviness. I, I sense those coming into the auditorium today with, with a lot that, that's on your, on your shoulders. God has something for us today. Before we get to the psalm that I want to look at this morning, I want to remind all of us that the Lord spoke through the prophet Isaiah to his people and he said, the Spirit of God can change things. That God can strengthen those who mourn in Zion. He can give us a turban instead of ashes. He can give us oil symbolizing joy instead of mourning, a garment symbolizing praise instead of discouragement so that God's people can be called oaks of righteousness, trees planted by the Lord to reveal his splendor. That's what I'm going to pray for all of us today. God is the great God who can exchange things and change things. We can bring something in, but we can leave with something different. And I'm hoping that we will all allow the Spirit of God to minister to us today as we are here in God's house. This morning we are looking at Psalm 108. It's hard to believe that this is the 13th message out of a 14-week series on the heart of worship that we started many months ago now, right? And we've only got one more week left. And God led me to this series because I think he wanted to teach us at the Oasis how to have a heart of worship. Many Christians believe that it's only important that we worship God, but not how we worship him. And we are learning through this series of looking through many of the Psalms that God cares not only that we worship him, but he does care and offer us instruction and insight into how to worship him and how worship needs to not only be a part of our everyday life, but how worship needs to be a part of our community as God's people. And that what we do on Sundays and Wednesdays and any other time we meet corporately is just to be an overflow of what you and I are doing individually throughout our week as devoted, enthusiastic, and energetic worshipers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we come to Psalm 108 today, and if I had to put a title over this psalm, it would be Determined to Worship, because one of the overarching themes that you see in David here is that he is expressing to us how we need to have a resolution to worship God, how we need to be determined to worship God, and we'll talk a little bit about that this morning. But before we get into the actual psalm this morning, Notice the superscription over the psalm even before we get into it. This is a song, a psalm of David. And that reminds us once again that music 
plays a major role in our worship of God. It is what God desires. It is what God has revealed, not only here on earth, but also one day in heaven. And even today in heaven, before we get there, I believe that that the saints and the angels are worshiping God through instruments and through, through their voices, and that's what heaven is going to be like for us, and that's what earth needs to be like as well, that we worship God and learn to worship him with song and with music. It's the way God created us to be. It is one of the major aspects of our worship of God, and that's what we've been focusing on even as a church in these last 13 messages. But you'll notice then in the first three verses of Psalm 108, the resolution to worship God. Notice the words of David here. He says, I am determined. The word means to be firm and fixed and focused on something. I am determined, O God. I will sing and praise you with my whole heart. Awake, O stringed instrument and harp. I will wake up at dawn. I will give you thanks before the nations, O Lord. I will sing praises to you before foreigners. Notice again in these three verses, after David says, I am determined, he says, I will, I will, I will, I will. It, it's an act of the will. It, it's something that's very intentional, you see. It's not the kind of passive attitude of, well, you know, I'll worship God if I've got any time left in the day. It's, notice even he says, I'm going to wake up a little early and I'm going to start my day worshiping the Lord because I am determined that this is going to be part of my life, that this is going to be part of our life as a corporate body, and it is a non-negotiable, my friends. It is not something that is negotiable. And why that is so important is because it is only when we have a few things in our life as followers of Jesus Christ that are non-negotiable can we actually then be faithful in those things. You see, only when you and I are firm and fixed on something does it develop into a godly and good habit in our lives. Then it just becomes a pattern of the way we do it. It's not... Well, I'll do it when I get around to it. I'll do it when I have time. Uh, I'll do it when, when it's convenient because it's never going to be convenient. At least 99% of the time. And as we're going to learn a little bit later on, there's a real good reason why you and I need to have a resolution to worship God. Because there's always going to be distractions. And, and life, very, very, very few days out of our life is always going to just lay out perfectly just the way we wanted it to go. So if you and I aren't determined to worship God, if we're not making that a resolution, a non-negotiable, then we know other things are going to pull us away and pretty soon one day goes by, one week goes by, one month goes by, maybe as we're getting ready to get to the end of another year, another year goes by, and where's my worship? Where's my worship? 
And I'll even say this as a pastor of a local church. I think that's, we live in a world today, even amongst Christians, where being faithful to the house of God and to the house of the Lord has become a negotiable. You see, and when we live that way as Christians, then there's always going to be something else that can sort of push that out and to where, eh, I've got something else to do Sunday morning at 10 o'clock other than be in the Lord's house. But when you and I begin to develop those godly good habits in our life and say, this is a non-negotiable. This is not something that's up for debate, up for discussion, unless the Lord comes back or unless I'm in the hospital or something like that, this is what I'm doing. And even then, you and I know that individually we can be worshiping God. Amen? Amen. In fact, can I tell you, as a pastor visiting people in hospitals and places for 35-plus years, that some of the best worship happens in places like that. So David starts out by saying, this has to be our mindset. This has to be our heart. This has to be the kind of heart that we allow God's Holy Spirit to create in us. And that is the resolution to worship him no matter what. It is firm. It is fixed, which leads to faithfulness in our worship life. I am determined. Notice he also says in verse 1, I will sing and praise you with my whole heart. Some of us still need to work on that. We come to church on Sunday and we just sort of like, you know, don't let it out. And whether that's fear, because I know I've talked to some of you and some of you just very, you know, you're very honest. You say, well, God never gave me a good voice. I'm afraid if I start singing out, I, I might bother people around me. Can I tell you, part of creating a heart of worship at a church like ours is that there shouldn't be one person in our church that's bothered by somebody singing out no matter what their voice sounds Amen. like. Because again, if we understand worship, we understand it's not as much about our voice as it is about our heart. And God wants our heart and if he's got our heart, then the worship will follow and it will flow out of us. So can I say this as your pastor to some of you? In love, some of you got a heart issue. Some of you got to get your heart right with God. Because unlike David, you're not ready to come to the Lord's house and sing and worship him and praise him with your whole heart. And by the way, that phrase in the original Hebrew speaks about it is the highest honor that you and I have as human beings to be able to sing and praise and vocalize our adoration and blessing of God. Amen. That should be the way we look at it. Not as, oh, I got to go to church today and I got to endure that worship time. Or, you know, as... No, I'll just sort of ride out the worship time and then we'll get to the word time. No, 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 no. No, it, it, it is, I'm going to make sure I'm on time 
and that I'm in that auditorium so that at 10 o'clock when they begin to worship, I'm right there and I am singing and I am praising with my whole heart because it is the highest honor any human being could have is to praise the Lord of the universe. Notice he also says in verse 3, I don't want to keep this to myself. And I'm going to be bold and I'm going to be fearless and I'm going to be confident as I praise you because I'm going to give you thanks before the nations. I'm going to sing praise to you even before foreigners. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to hold my praise and my adoration and my worship of God in. I'm going to let it out to be a witness to others about how much, God, I love you and who you are and who you are to me and what you've done for me. I'm going to let others know. Amen. Worship leads to witness. But then notice in verse 4 the reasons to worship. If in the first three verses we see the resolution to worship, notice in verse 4 the reasons to worship. And the Psalms never ask us simply to worship God without telling us why in some way we ought to worship God. Every Psalm that we've looked at, it's never exhaustive, but there's always certain reasons that the psalmist is giving us as God's people of why we should have a heart to worship God. Notice in verse 4, for your loyal love extends beyond the sky. God's loving kindness, God's covenant loyalty. I like to even interpret these words, loyal love, as the goodness of God the goodness of God. And notice the psalmist says, the goodness of God extends beyond the sky. There's no end to the goodness of God. Sometimes we, even as God's people, forget how good God is. And yet none of us would be here if it wouldn't be for the goodness of God. None of us would have anything to look forward to if it wasn't for the goodness of God and his loyal love, especially demonstrated towards us, his people. God is good. Amen. I can remember, that's one of the first prayers my parents ever taught me to pray, pray right? When, before the meal, God is great and God is what? Good. Let us thank him for this food. Oh, that I would have taken with me through my teen years and young adult years just those two concepts of God. God, you are great, and God, you are good. Because just those two alone will give us enough fuel every day to worship him every day. Amen. God, you are great, and God, you are good. But notice he also says in verse 4, here's another reason for God's people to worship him. Your faithfulness, God, you are so faithful. You're faithful even when we're faithless. You're faithful to us even when we are unfaithful to you. Your faithfulness isn't based on our performance or on our faithfulness. You are always there. You never leave us nor forsake us. Everything that you've promised in your word, you will, you will fulfill. Your word is reliable. It is dependable. Your character is trustworthy, God. You are a faithful God. Which is why in verse 5 he says, rise up or be exalted, God, above the sky. 
May your splendor cover the whole earth. So for two reasons here in Psalm 108, God's loyal love and his faithfulness, the psalmist says, is that not enough to carry us through in worshiping God and praising him with our whole heart? And being resolved and determined to worship God every day, it would be great if as human beings we could say, well, shouldn't we just want to worship God because we, we want to and when we feel like doing it, we do it? It would be great if it would be that way, but let's not forget that even as Christians, we have the old sinful nature still there with us. And so unless we make a resolution or a determination to worship God, our flesh will pull us away every time. Because what did Jesus say? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? Weak. And you and I can't rely on just, well, when I feel like it, I'm going to do something. You and I all know, especially the older we get and the longer we live life, if we just based living life and carrying out our responsibilities as human beings and navigating life and being, you know, husbands and wives and sons and daughters and brothers and sisters and brothers and sisters in the body of Christ and, and an employee or an employer or a student or whatever, a teacher, that we would never get done what should be done in our lives if it was left to just, I'll do it when I feel like doing it. In fact, I'll just give a shout out especially to all the moms here today. None of us would even probably still be here if that was the case because how many moms took good care of us when we weren't able to take care of ourselves and they probably didn't always feel like it? Amen. Right? There you go. I knew I'd get an amen out of that. But it's true. And that's why there's got to be more to our even spiritual life than just based on feelings. And that's why really what he's talking here about is faith. And we're going to get to why we see that even more clearly as we go through here. Because then notice verse 6, how things sort of shift. And we begin to discover now why it was so important that David build into his life this determination and resolution to worship God because there's always going to be times come up in our life where there's something. And, and say worship is not going to be my thing that I would normally just go to automatically, my default it's going to be convenient. It's going to be comfortable. There's going to be something that could start to consume me other than my worship of God, which is why you'll notice in Psalm 108, they start with the worship of God. Then later on, they get down to, here's the thing, God, that's bugging me that I want to talk to you about as I'm worshiping you. Verse 6, it's the request of the worshiper. Again, if in the first three verses we see the resolution to worship and in verse 4 and 5 the reasons to worship, in verse 6 we see the request of the worshiper himself. He says to God as he's worshiping him, deliver by your power and answer me so that the ones you love may be safe. What was happening here is a military attack was about to happen and David as the king of God's people is up against a very formidable foe. Things don't look good. David feels responsible. 
and the people of God are being surrounded by the enemies of God and they're under attack. And David's request then is, God, you know our situation. Please deliver us. Please save us by your power. Keep us safe, God. Protect us. Provide for us at this time. And then notice, very importantly, in verse 7, the revelation in worship. And this is something I want to camp on for a few minutes this morning because th this is one of the real motivations of why you and I should keep worshiping no matter what because so often, you know, we worship God maybe when everything's going well in our life and, and it's a good day and all of that and we feel like praising God. But many times when we're going through the yuck and muck of life, we're not praising God because it's not something we have been resolved to do or just build into our life that's a non-negotiable. And so we stop worshiping God and we start to get consumed with our circumstances, our trials, our obstacles, our difficulties, our pain, our suffering, and all these things. And we get our eyes in completely off of God and we get them on this thing or this person or this situation or this circumstance. And it, it begins to consume us and overwhelm us and drag us down but it's only when you and I faithfully just continue to worship God even when we don't feel like it even when it's not convenient when we are offering God as the author of Hebrews says the sacrifice of praise Amen. that God will begin to speak into our hearts, our minds, and our lives, and will reveal insight and things to us that will only come as you and I hang in there and just keep on waiting on the Lord as we sung about and as the Word of God says, and as we continue to worship Him in those times. Amen. Which is why in verse 7, David says, God has spoken. I want to stop there. That's huge. Our God is here and he is not silent. God speaks to his people. And God, I believe, is here today and he is speaking to each of us. God is speaking to his people today. In fact, you'll notice what David said. God is speaking to us where? In the what? sanctuary in, in God's house which again is why it's important that God's people show up to God's house because can God speak to me individually absolutely God can speak to any of us anywhere at any time but God sets aside his house and basically wants his people to come with expectation and anticipation of him speaking to us in his house as we come together to worship him and if you and I are neglecting the house of God, then we're not hearing what God wants to say to us through our worship time and through our time in the Word every week. And we are missing out, and we're missing something that could be very important to our walk with Him and our spiritual life if we're not here hearing what God is saying to His people at that moment. Amen. God speaks. And David said, he spoke to me in the sanctuary, in God's house. I'm so glad that God speaks to us, <laughs> that we're not left 
without the voice of God and the message of God and the truth of God in our lives? Where would we be if we did not have that foundation and that stability that comes through the word of God, which is why the psalmist later in Psalm 119 says, your word, God, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Without it, I walk in darkness. And so God has spoke. And notice what God says in his sanctuary. This is God now speaking. I will triumph. I will parcel out Shechem, the valley of Succoth, and I will measure off. Gilead belongs to me, as does Manasseh. Ephraim is my helmet. Judah, my royal scepter. Moab is my wash basin. I will make Edom serve me. I will shout in triumph over Philistia. God's basically saying, David, I got this. I'm going to take care of the enemies. I will triumph. I will lead. The battle is mine. Trust me. Have faith in me. God spoke that to David. David heard it. But notice something, and this is what I want to encourage all of us. Where and when did David hear this message from God? As he was in the house of God worshiping God. Some Christians really struggle in, in their clarity to know what to do and what path to take and whatever. And I would simply encourage you, keep worshiping. Don't stop worshiping God. You, you keep worshiping until you hear the answer from God. You keep worshiping until you hear his voice, until you hear that message. Don't stop worshiping because maybe you just quit too early. No, hang in there, persevere, endure, make it that non-negotiable. I am determined, God, I will worship you until I hear your voice speak to me so that I know what I should be doing at that particular moment. Because God wants to speak to us, his people, either corporately in community or individually. But God always wants to speak to us, his people. He wants to share his message, his word, his mind, his insight, so that we're not left to ourselves to figure out what to do and when to do it and all of that. God wants to give us clarity and confidence as we face each and every day of life and what life brings. But that comes through us being resolved and determined to worship him on the good days and on the not-so-good days, on the days I feel like it and on the days I don't feel like it. Because, again, I'm not worshiping God based upon all my circumstances going my way I'm worshiping God because he is always worthy of our praise and worship. Amen. For who he is, and as we talked about last week, he's already done more than enough for all of us that if God never did one more thing for us for the rest of eternity, he's done enough to be praised by us forever and ever and ever. Amen? Amen. But I want you to notice this, and I... I hope this will be an encouragement to you. Because sometimes, too, I, I don't want you to get the impression through this Heart of Worship series that, well, if we just 
You know, if we just resolve ourselves to be worshipers of God and we just worship God every day, that either we're not going to have issues or problems or that even as a worshiper, a faithful worshiper, that I still won't struggle at times with doubts and reservations and fears and all these things. No, no, we're human. And I, I, I want to declare this in this room today. Don't, e even if you have made a greater commitment to be a worshiper of God, don't, don't get discouraged the first time as you're worshiping him or something that doubt or fear or reservation begins to creep in. It is just part of being human. Because that's exactly what we see happen here to David himself. Even as he's worshiping, I'll share an insight with you. Sometimes the most vicious spiritual attacks that I've ever faced as a human being have come while I was preaching the word of God before God's people. Now, you all didn't know it, <laughs> but it comes that way sometimes. See, even in the midst of spiritual activity and doing what's right and doing what God's called us to the enemy can come. And so notice David's response. Even after God spoke, even after he knew God said, I'm going to take care of this, David. Notice David's words in verse 10 as he reveals the reservation of the worshiper. Who will lead me into the fortified city? Who will bring me to Edom? Have you not rejected us, O God? Oh, God, you, you don't go into battle with our armies anymore. <laughs> we, don't, we don't see you moving and, and working anymore, God. And, and God, if you don't do this, we're doomed. Because notice what he says in verse 12. Give us help against the enemy, for any help men might offer is what? Futile. God, human help is not enough. If we don't have you... We're done. Now listen, there, there are times in our life, in fact, many times in our life, where we, as God's people, are the instruments God uses. And sometimes God even uses those that aren't his people to be the instruments that he uses. And so many times God uses people, but there are also times, and even in those times, though, it's God that's doing it, not us. Amen? Amen. We don't get the... But, but there are also many times where you and I in our life are faced with a situation, a circumstance, a trial, a difficulty in our life, and we've come to realize, man can't help me with this. No, no other human, I can't look to another human being to do for me right now or to be for me right now what I need. I need someone beyond human. I need a God. I, I need supernatural help here. And obviously, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we know who our God is, the one true God, and where our help comes from. Amen. But David is simply saying here, God, you, you really haven't been with us lately. Now, here's the thing. That's a true statement. David's not being, like, jaded in his perspective 
But the problem was not with God. The problem was with God's people. The reason why God hasn't laid his hand of blessing and favor and victory on his people is because his people have been disobedient. They haven't done what God said they should do. So God said, fine, you're going to face these things alone. And David comes back to God as he worships him and is like, but God, if, if you don't show up now, we're cooked, we're done. Because the enemy that we are facing, they're a formidable foe. In fact, it's a daunting challenge that faces David and the people of God right now. David and the people of God are in a very precarious position. David knows it, the people of God knows it, and God knows it. But then notice verse 13. Notice the reassurance of the worshiper here. Because again, what has David continued to do? He's continued to seek the Lord and worship him and go before him and be in his presence. And so he had to work through that doubt and those reservations and those fears and all of that. And again, that's what I want to encourage us with is guys and gals, it's not like even as we're worshiping and even as we're serving and even as we're doing all that's right, that sometimes the fear and the doubt and the reservations and God, will you show up when you need to? It's not that they won't be there. Folks, I'll just tell you, every Sunday before I come out here on this platform, I'm like, God, I hope you show up today because if you don't show up, I'm falling flat on Jeff's face. <laughs> so it's not something that ever goes away in our Christian life, like we just sort of, you know, get to a place where we could just, oh yeah, God, I, I know you'll be, no, no. I, I'm back there praying, God, please show up today. I guess I'm trying to be transparent because I want you to know that the struggles that we all go through are very common. They were with David and they're with us. But what I want to encourage us with is notice then what happens as David continues to press into God and lean into God and worship God, he is reassured. He is strengthened through his worship. And it's almost like he comes back to the reality of God and to who God is and what God's going to do. Because once again, instead of, you know, focusing on the what ifs, that many of us focus on in our life. What if this? What if that? No, no. His focus as he continues to worship comes back to what? What God has spoken. And that's why he ends this psalm with these words. By God's power, we will conquer. Literally in the Hebrew, it is through God, we, the people of God, will become an unstoppable army. I love that. Amen. Not in ourselves, but through God, we, God's people, become an unstoppable army. How could he have that perspective? He kept worshiping, and through his worship, he went back to what God spoke to him about while he was in the house of God, in verse 7. Then he goes on to say, he will trample down our enemies. Not I will, not we will, he will. 
The battle's the Lord's. All we have to do is trust him and follow him. It's not like we don't do anything. We, we have to go out there and we have to go on the battlefield and we have to put up the fight, but God is ultimately going to give us the victory. All we have to do is trust him to do what he said he would do. Amen. And I want to encourage all of us with that today. I don't know what hill you're facing what giant you may be facing, what situation, what difficulty, what trial you may be facing right now in your life. But I know this, God wants you and I, through the worship of him, to declare these words over our life today. By God's power, I will conquer. Amen. By God's power, we, the oasis, will conquer. Amen. By God's power, our family will conquer that we literally put those words up over our life, our home, our church, and everything that we're associated with. And that's the reassurance that the psalmist had. You see, what was the basis of David's hope and confidence in verse 13? It was not in his circumstances. It was not in his situation. It was not even in his immediate successes because he didn't have any lately. And it was not also, and I'll say this very importantly, it was not in the weakness of his opponent. He was facing a very formidable opponent, a vicious opponent, a strong opponent. And yet he understood, but God told me that he will triumph over our enemy. Now, I've got to trust him, God, to do what he told me he would do for me and for us, the people of God. And David went through this whole journey, not apart from worship, but as he was worshiping God. That's what I want us to see today. That's why it's so important that you and I, as a community of believers, and as individuals, that we develop such a heart of worship and that it becomes a non-negotiable in our life that no matter on the high days, the low days, the tough days, the, that, that we are just continuing to worship God. And as we worship God, God will carry us through whatever situations come our way. And on the good days, we'll just be even more thankful and, and more worshipful and, and praising him even more. And, and on the difficult, hard days, we'll be able to get through because we'll claim what we've heard God speak to us and say to us and promise to us in his word and through his Holy Spirit that by God's power, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And we will put that banner up over our heads and over our lives and over our homes and over our church and over anything that we're associated with. And that will be what defines us, not our circumstance, not our immediate success, not the you know, strength or lack of strength or weakness of what's opposing us or what's coming against us. It may be a very strong opponent. It may be something very horrendous. But nothing is stronger than God. God is the almighty God and nothing is impossible for him. So I want to encourage us today because as David 
just continued to worship God, it came full circle. It went from the resolution to worship to the reasons to worship to the request to save him and God's people to the revelation that he heard God speak in his house to the reservations that he still had because he's still human and he still struggles every once in a while. Even after hearing what God said with those doubts and fears and reservations and yet as he continued to worship, he landed not in the area of reservation and doubt and fear. He landed in the area of the reality of God and what God said and who he was in God. That's where he landed. He was reassured. He was reaffirmed as he continued to worship God. So here's what I'd like to invite all of us to do today. As a church and as individuals, that we are going to enter into a time of worship right now. And you may have come with a lot of heaviness, a lot of doubts, a lot of fears, a lot of reservations. You're struggling. I want you to get up with determination and say, I might not feel like worshiping God right now, but I'm going to worship. And I'm going to worship him with my whole heart because it is an honor. It is my highest honor as a human being to worship my God. And that through worship, maybe you need a word from God then take this message and realize that as you and I continue to worship him, God will speak to his people. We can hear him more clearly as we are worshiping him and that he will reveal things to us in worship that he would not otherwise. He's looking for us to worship. But even in that, maybe you've already gotten a word from God, but you're still just struggling. Then take this time to just keep worshiping God and just let God drive that sort of that nail of reassurance and reaffirmation into your life that by God's power, we will conquer. By God's power, I'm going to overcome this. By God's power, we will overcome this. By God's power, I'm going to get through this because we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. Couldn't we stand and pray? God, many of us may have brought into this auditorium this morning a spirit of discouragement and heaviness. But God, I pray today that through our worship we would come to the God of the universe, that we would hear you speaking to your people, and that we would trade and exchange, Lord, those spirits for a spirit that you want to give us, God. A spirit of confidence, a spirit of boldness, a spirit that is fearless, a spirit of rest, a spirit of faith that can be traded out and exchanged for what other spirits, Lord, we've brought in. God, just help us to just keep worshiping you, God. Because, God, we understand that most of our life, it won't be convenient to worship you. We won't have the time to worship you. But, God, we've got to make the time. It's got to be a non-negotiable in our life, God, that no matter what are the distractions and what other things I've got to do, God, that that's what I do first. Even if it means I've got to wake up five minutes earlier than I normally do, God, I'm going to spend the first five minutes of every day worshiping you, God. That's how I'm going to start my day. God, would you meet with us? Would you speak to us? Would you speak over us? Enable us, God, through your spirit to worship you and just to continue to worship you, God, until those nails of reaffirmation and reassurance are driven into our life. 
Help us, God, to continue to worship you until we hear from you, God. Until we hear that voice. Until we get that message. These things we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.